We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Podcast Nick Whalen here with RotoWire's James Anderson. It is Thursday, December fifteenth. James, you know what that means? It's the ten-year and one-day anniversary of the Sean May thirty-two-point game. The game, thirty-two, six, two assists, a steal, and a block in the Charlotte Bobcats win over the Orlando Magic. This is a special day for both you and I. Is this like a thing that you're going to be doing every day from from here on out where you just uh, cite uh, something that happened on that day? Right. This is this one obviously is an exception it. because it happened 10 years ago yesterday, but okay. I forgot to you mention ch- you it cheated? yesterday. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, this isn't something you just, you know, go for, I wasn't going to wait another entire for year. For people basically. that like uh, random NBA trivia Right. That has to do with Man, did what you come did, to the right spot. What day of the year it was. Yeah. Uh great way to put it. Um <laughs> you know, other things that happened on this day, this day actually being the fifteenth uh of December, ten years ago. Kobe Bryant, fifty three, ten and eight in a win over Houston uh, in overtime. So a little bit of an asterisk there. Ben Wallace had twenty seven rebounds. 
in a win over Milwaukee, then Bull, then Walls. I totally forgot that he played uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but going back to Sean May, when I told you this before the podcast, I said, do you know 10 years ago in one day, uh, or 10 years and one day ago, Sean May had 32 points, and your response was, in an NBA game? I mean, I think it would have been – I mean, I would have been pretty impressed if it had been a college game. Like, oh, that would have been even more impressive. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that he was allowed to play that much in an NBA game is kept track at one of his at one of their (laughs) inter squad scrimmages. (laughs) That's what I would have guessed. Something something to that effect. Okay, so as we've been doing the last couple weeks on Thursdays, talking a lot of NBA draft, um, I think both you and I are kind of transfixed by this draft class, at least quite a bit more me personally than I was the last few years, and. I'm a big-time draft guy, so are you, but the depth that we have in this class, as we've said over and over, is unparalleled, at least in, in recent memory, uh, especially when you kind of look well, back at these last couple of drafts. I, I think we were both always sort of transfixed by the studs in recent drafts, but there just haven't been this many. Like, like I was, right. you know, all about, like, Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons all last year and, you know, D'Angelo well, Russell, the, the Towns, draft. You know, yeah, like, I mean, we all Like, there's... There's always guys that we're all about, like all throughout the college season. This year, there's just way more than there usually are, and it's it's kind of crazy yeah. to sort of see what they they keep doing mm-hmm. each night. Yeah, I mean, DJ and I on the pod yesterday kind of looked back at the last two draft classes, and you know, for some of these guys, we're 20 games into their professional career, and it's too early to judge. But uh, yeah, there's not a ton, not a ton to get like really excited about from the 2016 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we haven't seen Ben Simmons yet. He might be the best player in that draft. Obviously, Joel Embiid is the far and away front runner to win Rookie of the Year, but he was not a member of the 2016 draft. Uh, I mean, the best player right now in the 2016 class probably Jamal Murray, and he's shooting under 40 percent from the field. Uh, in terms of on court results, sure. Um, I don't really think he's in Ingram's class as a prospect right. still, but yeah, if you want to just go mm-hmm. by what they've done so far. DJ was trying to tell me that the Nuggets would flip Murray straight up for Ingram right now. Like that the, Nugget, the Nuggets would. Sorry, the Lakers. No. The, the Lakers don't do that deal, right? Like they don't <laughs> DJ, even... DJ was high during the pod last <laughs> week, apparently. <laughs> um, or yesterday, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just all day. He might still be high. <laughs> um, so today on the site, you put up, or just this, this go live yesterday, it looks like, uh, the Mock Lottery 1.0. The people have been clamoring for this for months. Really, I think hours after the 2016 draft, you started getting the phone calls, the emails, right. the, the pages, uh, letters sent to your apartment. It's, we need the Mock, mock Lottery 1.0 for 2017. It's really uh, what it came down to is I just didn't have time to watch a, a full game uh, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Right. And so what what better way to, to kill an article than and do the mock lottery 1.0 and right. this is actually a time in the year where historically uh, about 14 of the 16 teams that are currently in line to make the playoffs will in, in fact make the playoffs so the lottery the teams that are going to be in the lottery i think are fairly set you know you might have one or two of these teams uh get hot and and move into the playoff picture you may have a playoff team you know, suffer an injury or something and kind of fall into the lottery. But for the most part, these are the teams that are going to be choosing between these these top flight guys. And uh, like we were talking about a week or two ago, I I definitely think there are there are some tiers forming in terms of the, the talent in this draft. And I really think you want to be picking in that top twelve or thirteen if you want to land a 
potential, That's you know, all star. Honestly, like you could you could land an all star in the the eleven, ten, twelve range in this draft. So the, there is a bit of a drop off outside of the lottery. Uh, so that it is kind of fitting mm-hmm. to do the the mock lottery at this point in the season. So you're telling me you want to be in the lottery in this draft? That's yeah. I think that that's <laughs> as an expert. Um, that's what I'm going to go with here. I think you want yeah, to be you want to be picking as high as possible in this draft, right? And um, in most drafts, that's typically the case. You know, better to be picking <laughs> 12 than say 16, 17. Yeah, I mean, I think 18. I would go as far as to say it's better to be picking three than four, and maybe yeah. two than three. Um, so your mock, you have Josh Jackson going number one right now. Uh, you know where that pick ends up landing, we don't know, but the 76ers currently slotted in there. They're six and 18. Uh, not a team that you necessarily see climbing too much further. You know, once Ben Simmons comes back, they'll be a more exciting team. We'll get maybe a look at kind of how this team's going to look the next few years. But I don't know that Ben Simmons' return is necessarily going to impact them from a wins and loss perspective. Uh, so a pretty good chance that Philadelphia ends up picking you, I think, at well, least in the bottom three, and number one certainly is in play. I definitely think the the Nets, the Mavs, and the Sixers are, are probably the heavy favorites to have the, the three worst records in the league this year. And, of course, that Nets pick goes to the Celtics. So those are the three teams that I think are, are in the mix for that number one pick. Uh, Sixers, you know, I think Ben Simmons coming back, that that might maybe push him ahead of maybe the Mavs or the, the Nets. But, I mean, they'll, they'll still have really good odds for this pick. Josh Jackson is, for me, it's it's him 1A and Markel Fultz 1B right now just in terms of my – my personal big board. I know that uh, Markel Fultz is probably uh, number one for for most people, but Josh Jackson is just so just such a complete player, such an elite athlete, and I'm always going to take the wing over the point guard if it's if it's close, if it's this close. And I just think that people get a little too caught up in the box score. Like if Josh Jackson, um, well, it's just first of all, if you're a point guard and you're on a team like Washington and you're an elite-level point guard, you're going to be able to put up insane numbers because your usage rate is off the charts, your teammates are terrible, you basically, the whole offense is just you doing what you want to do. Josh Jackson is uh, not handling the ball a ton. I mean, he's, he's a wing. He plays um, small forward. Sometimes he plays power forward for, the, for Kansas. And he's surrounded by this veteran team that has national title aspirations, so he's not the focal point on every offensive possession. So you can't really compare the two numbers. To me, it, it just comes down to what Jackson's able to do at this age. He's a really, really good passer compared to some other elite wings that have come out in recent years. Like Compared to Andrew Wiggins, it's it's not even – they're not even in the same – class as as passers Jackson can make uh you know the skip pass the open three-pointer uh he can uh make make you know full half court passes in transition he's just constantly playing a team game and he's also just just as explosive as a guy like Wiggins around the rim uh jump shot's still kind of a work in progress for him but he is really adept at the the mid-range game defensively he's very active he's got a high motor which is something you don't always see with these these elite physical specimens on the wing and and I think that all those signs point Mm -hmm. to him being a future star so those bottom three teams Philadelphia Dallas and Brooklyn slash Boston um is there a different number one pick if Dallas 
go, you know, gets the I first think, pick? Is there a different pick if Boston gets it? So do you, I don't know if you agree with this. I, I personally think Jackson's a better fit with the Sixers than Fultz is, and I think Fultz is a better fit with the Mavs than Jackson is because, like, the really the only long-term piece the or the Mavericks have is Harrison Barnes, and him and Jackson play the exact same position. And Ben Simmons is going to be the Sixers' primary ball handler, uh, or at least that's that's the plan going forward once he's healthy. So adding a guy like Markel Fultz to me, that kind of – it's going to make it tough for both of those guys to develop into the, the best versions of themselves. And I think if you have a guy like Jackson who is an excellent defender, is a a guy that, you know, has a high motor on that end of the court, um, can stretch the floor a little bit, or projects to be able to stretch the floor a little bit, I think that meshes really well with what some of Simmons' weaknesses are. Yeah. And so I, I just think that that's a, a better pairing to me. They can go address – obviously they have to fill the two guard spots long-term, and I think that they can address that. They could they could buy low on a guy like Brandon Knight in a trade. They could sign Drew Holiday as a free agent. They could uh, – and we're going to get later down in this mock, they're going to have another pick, and they could take a point guard there. I just think that – Adding Fultz and Simmons together doesn't make a ton of sense to me, just like adding Jackson and Harrison Barnes together mm-hmm. doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, well, I mean, the plan, at least from what Brett Brown has said, is that Ben Simmons is going to play primarily point guard. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that'll be more on an experimental basis this year. We'll see. I feel like it's going to work all right, you know, at, at the worst. I think he could be a really good point guard with this skill set. That means you want a shooter next to him. Um, obviously, you still need more point guards on the roster, but you're not going to draft Markel Fultz to play next to Simmons. I think both of those guys need the ball in their hands, like you said. Uh, and if you if you can put another guard next to him, you ideally want that guy to be more of a catch-and-shoot threat, I think, than, you know, to me, Markel Fultz is the guy in this draft who could do the best Russell Westbrook impression. I'm not saying he could average a triple-double. I'm just saying, like, he'd be comfortable with that kind of usage that kind of all-around responsibility. And I think you'd almost be asking him to not fulfill his entire potential as a player, I guess, you know, putting him next to Ben Simmons. So, you know, normally when you have guys this talented, whether it's Jackson, Fultz, Tatum, Ball, the list goes on, you just kind of – you just get the talent and you make it work. But Philadelphia and Minnesota, I think, is is in this category too, is is an exception because you have these other, like, A-plus assets that you have to consider. So I I think – yeah, I think everything you said there is right. And look, if if Philly has faults significant, if they're significantly higher on faults than they are Jackson, and they don't they don't see the two as comparable, they're going to take the guy that they're significantly higher on. Right. And same with same with Dallas. But to me, I'm in like, favor of that generally. That strategy. Yeah. To me, this is this is my mock. I think yep. they're extremely close. So I'm factoring in need and fit. Yep. But I, you know, if, if your board says this guy's a future superstar and this guy's just a multiple-time all-star, then you take the future superstar right. and try to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, just think of that. I mean, it could very easily be Embiid, Saric, Josh Jackson, Ben Simmons, and you know, guard X in that, well, in that lineup. And that could be De'Aaron Fox, I, like yeah, you I've, have I've here. It could be Malik Monk, like, Fox, yeah. or like you said. I mean, they they have cap room. They have other assets. They have two pretty attractive assets. Everybody's so down on Okafor and Noel, but like in the grand scheme of tradable assets, like those guys are not bad to have. Like, yeah, ideally maybe you get a bigger return than what 
the people you know what most people are speculating you could get for them but those aren't the worst guys to have as just you know tradable guys mm-hmm. who are basically expendable if Joel Embiid stays healthy so Philadelphia um you know obviously going to be another rough year for them record wise but very very well positioned going forward uh so as you kind of hinted you have Fultz at two to Dallas I think I, I'm with you I think they would go Fultz if they get the first pick or the mm-hmm. second pick so you know if they get number two and Fultz is there I don't think they think about that all that right. much um but that said, I don't know that Harrison Barnes is like that good or that young. Right. That and young. and well, yeah. So Barnes can easily play some four, and like you said, he's not the type of guy where you're like, oh, we can't take yeah. a can't take a guy can't at his take position. Josh Jackson, we got Harrison Barnes. Uh, Fultz, I just think would be so appealing to them because he would be their best point guard since Steve Nash, and they've had some really rough point guards through throughout that span. And uh, Roddy Bobois. And it would just be a guy that, you know, is handling the ball for you and like getting you into your offense. Like a guy like Josh Jackson, I think he's gonna be a star, but he's not gonna be ready to just take take on like a, a number two option workload his rookie season, whereas Fultz could take on a, a number one option workload. The efficiency might not be amazing right away, but I mean he he'll be ready to jump in and be the guy from day one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And but you know, with the, with the Harrison Barnes point, like if Jason Tatum goes crazy during ACC play and and starts to look kind of like a Brandon Ingram guy, like I don't think that would deter no. Dallas from taking him. Uh, but you know, again, they're going to have options. So assuming Boston, um, you know, finishes third or the Nets finish with the third worst record, or however it shakes out lottery wise, you have Tatum to the Celtics. Um, we still don't know how the Celtics roster is going to look. It could look very different come June than it does right now. But with what we have to work with, you kind of have to assume it's going to be as is. Um, Jason Tatum seems like a guy you could fit just about anywhere. Yeah, I think if they were picking third, I think it would come down to Tatum or Jonathan Isaac for them. I think that Danny Ainge is going to want to get a superstar in this draft. I think that that is the only logic, really, that he used in taking Jalen Brown third in the last draft is that he looked at it as a two-player draft uh, took the only other guy or, or the guy that he thought had the best shot of the remaining guys at, at becoming a star. And I guess I, I don't hate that logic. But Jalen Brown's just, just like Harrison Barnes. He's not the type of guy that you're going to even hesitate to take a guy at the same position as. Uh, if, if that's the best guy on your board, I think Tatum and Isaac are the two guys that have the most superstar potential left after Fultz and Jackson. And... Yeah, I gave Tatum the edge just because I think, you know, he's kind of more of a consensus top three guy, I think, right now. But He seems know, like a Celtic. I, I don't know why. Isaac's, Isaac's higher on my board, and I wouldn't wouldn't shock me if they went that way either. But, uh, I mean, hard. I mean, Tatum's a, Tatum's a guy that would go number one yes. in a lot of drafts. It, I totally agree. I think you compare Tatum side to side with Brown, and Tatum – Brown might be a better athlete. That's it. Like, and Tatum's a really good athlete. Literally it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's Tatum's gonna be really good. I think. I think. I don't think he's gonna go number one or probably not even two. Whoever gets Tatum, I think we're gonna look back and think, how did this guy not go number one or number two? And that might not even be because Fultz or Jackson or whoever it is aren't good. I think he's Tatum's just gonna be that good. I just think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be one of those classes where you're not gonna know how it should have shaken out to like 10 years down the line. Like yeah, it, that's possible. I think it's going to be one of those type of Okay, like so I, it, I compared it to the 96 draft class where yeah. you've got like 
know, five or six Hall of Famers, just ten. You know, I think it, it could be one of those classes where I'm going to bring up the '96 draft. So the '96 draft, you know, this is the one that gets mentioned as you know, it's kind of like the you know, I, I don't deepest even know what draft the word is. In the deepest like draft history. ever. Just kind of like the the sterling example of how a draft should go, ideally, you know. And so you have Iverson, Camby, who was really, you know, people don't think Marcus Camby, like Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he was really good. And Marcus Camby was like DeAndre was, Jordan. Yeah, like Camby at two like, was not like, wow, they really messed no. that one up. Abdurrahim, Marbury, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker is your top six. I mean, those are yeah. all guys who played at least 800 games, who played at least 12 years in the NBA. All of them, except for Camby, averaged at least 17 points for their careers. I mean, you're looking at big, big time guys. Yeah, first and then team just, all defense, first team all NBA. Right. Picking and choosing our way through the first round, you got Kerry Kittles, good for a long time. Eric Dampier played 16 years in the league. Kobe, Peja, Nash were three picks in a row from 13 to 15. You had Jermaine O'Neal at 17, yeah. Big Z at 20, Derek Fisher. Um, you know, and of course, you can look through the the lottery. There's you know. Lorenzen Wright went seven. Samaki Walker went nine. Todd Fuller went 11. Like, there are busts, mm-hmm. and there's going to be when we look back in this draft. Yeah. Like, nobody ever goes 14 for 14 right. in the lottery. Uh, it's just kind of scary to look at this class and know for a fact, like, three of these guys just aren't going to turn out. And it's hard to pick and say, like, <laughs> who is that guy? You know, I don't yeah. know. I don't think we've talked about anyone that fits that for me yet. No, well, <laughs> well that's the thing. Probably back in 96, right. like, nobody thought – you but know, I mean, like, in that draft though, you you went through the top six, and none of them were busts. True, it didn't you didn't have a bust even, till seven. Yeah, yeah. I guess you can start thinking like, all right, you know, I could maybe see De'Aaron Fox busting a lot more than I could Markel Fultz. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and even and that's not really a huge knock on Fox. It's just relative, you know, to how good. And like so, like even but but like to my point, like that '96 draft class. If you just analyzed it after five years, even right. you wouldn't have said like. Oh, Steve Nash should have gone in the top five. Yeah, you know, and like, like Kobe wasn't quite Kobe. Like, I mean, he was almost there. And you would have probably, but, you, know. you know, five years out, you would have probably been talking about Stefan Marbury as maybe one of the top three or four guys from the class. And he, yeah. now, now he's even easily like not Sharif a top five or six numbers guy. were yeah. pretty much incredible from the jump. Right, um, Nash, I don't think really hit his stride until the next, you know, probably ten years into his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's a good point. I, I, th- I think this is probably the best cop for this draft and. Maybe we'll look silly in a few years, and half these guys will bust out of the league, and you know we don't know. But there hasn't been a draft, at least since I've been paying close attention, that I've felt really this good about the top fifteen to twenty guys. Right, where you're picking even drafts that we've loved, like like even a draft like uh, you know three years ago, like the Julius Randle draft. Like I I thought I loved that class. Yep. You know, I love, you know, get a guy like Randall at, like, seven or whatever. He went to the Lakers. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I love ten guys in this draft more than I liked Julius Yeah, Randall well, you look back, year. and it's like Randall was, like, a you know, a top five prospect in my mind in that draft, and he's, like, a six, seven power forward. You know, like, there, yeah. Aren't, yeah. there aren't guys with, like, those he's good, but it's like these guys are just they're good. They yeah. all meet the criteria. Right. There aren't these kind of red flags that you see uh, so much in other drafts. Um, I want to say so, something else about this '96 comp, but I don't. I don't remember what it was. Um, I well, no. I think it's. I think this could be a draft where you look back at '96. It just it ushered in like a new era of like superstars. You know, like mm-hmm. the Kobe, Iverson, Marbury, Ray, um, and even Peja. You know, he finished like second in scoring one year. Like it was just a whole new generation of mm-hmm. guys. Like I think once the LeBron, Melo, Wade. Well, we so we kind of have we're in this sort of transition era where we have 
you have your guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis, Davis and Joel Embiid, but it's sort of like half of a class of, right. of star. And like, I think this class specifically is just going to really kind right. of round out that, that current I class. Think, yeah, I think so too. I think you, you have like the guys who are quote unquote on their way out. And it's hard to say that about a guy like LeBron and Melo mm-hmm. who are still playing at high, you know, on a high level, but you know, Bosch, Wade, Melo, those guys are all from the same class. You know, even some of the older, you know, Al Horford's kind of getting up there. Um, you know, Marcus Saul's like 31, 32, obviously Dirk. And then you have like that next tier of like young guys, but not not really young guys, but not veterans. Harden, like Westbrook, Lillard, KD, yeah. even Curry's not that young. Yeah. Lillard came out late, guys like that. And then, like you said, this lower tier of Embiid, Towns, Davis. Um, you know, I think Demarcus Cousins is probably in the second tier, yeah. and yeah, I think this is that this is that group that'll kind of round out the next next era of true superstars uh, in the NBA. But you have Lonzo Ball at four to Minnesota. We've talked a ton about Lonzo Ball on this podcast. We don't need to go into him necessarily no, as a player, but, but how do you like the fit? So the Timberwolves are the first super interesting team. I think there are three teams in this lottery that are going to absolutely have to make some sort of move uh, just based on. The amount of talent currently on their the amount of young talent that needs minutes currently on their roster, and then you're injecting uh, a guy who could be one of the two or three best players on the team. So, uh, if the Timberwolves are picking here, I think they go. I think one way or another, it shakes out that they get a point guard here because it just doesn't make sense to me to add a guy like Jason Tatum if you have a guy that grades out similarly that's also a point guard because you want someone that does something a little different than what the other guys do like Wiggins, Towns, Levine they're really their scorers you know and they they need the ball and you want a guy that is uh, comfortable not leading the charge when it comes to scoring. Lonzo Ball perfect fit here obviously but then what do they do to kind of make room for him. They have right. they have uh Ricky Rubio, they have Chris Dunn. You know, I think trading trading a guy like I was asking you uh, before I finished this like what do you think the best move for them to do if 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 the best player available to them is a point guard, what's move A before they make that pick and trading a guy like Ricky Rubio for basically just like you eat whatever salary you got to eat. You take like the best veteran role player you can get back for him. That's a move that I think makes sense at that point because it's just not – he's just not part of the core. And, no. you know, maybe you just roll ahead with Chris Dunn and treat him as sort of your sixth man, your, your kind of defensive stopper off the bench. But I think you got to get rid of one of those guys. Right. And Rubio just – is the guy that just doesn't really fit to me as a supporting piece. So do you, if you're Minnesota, you in that scenario try to make Chris Dunn like what Marcus Smart is for Boston. Yeah, if somebody's hurt, you throw him in the lineup. He can he can he can play 35 minutes some night if he's hot, but you know you don't necessarily count on him. And the thing with Ball is like I think people will say, oh, you know they need somebody who's not a scorer, somebody who's a distributor. Like isn't that Ricky Rubio? Like is the argument that Ball is just a much better version of Ricky Rubio? Well. You want the you want like you want Ricky Rubio without Ricky Rubio's flaws, right? That's what I'm so saying. So like, like Ball just he right. does what Rubio does as a right. passer, but he's also not a horrible shooter, and right? He doesn't he, have the other deficiencies. He has Rubio's passing gene. He's not mentally scarred as a shooter, and he's young enough to kind of grow with this core. And 
you know, it just it makes sense. Like it, it right. just it fits better than having Rubio, who comes with all of this. You know, well, he can't shoot. He's it's all in his head. Um, Ball also, you know, brings Rubio's defensive um, potential to the table. A guy that can guard both positions. I I just think it makes a lot more sense. You the guy that you want to pair with those three uh, centerpiece or cornerstones that they have is a, a guy that is really good at passing and can hit open threes mm-hmm. and Rubio only does 50% of that right exactly no I'm with you I, th- I think ball you probably see him as high as two or one in some mocks I think he's he's in the top five right now and he's just such an easy guy I think for NBA GMs to fall in love with you have Dennis Smith at five I feel like people are down on Smith just because I think compared to ball and compared to Fultz he just hasn't gotten the attention he's kind of in a similar situation to Fultz where he's a really good prospect on an otherwise pretty average team. I do think once ACC play starts up and NC State gets on TV a little bit more, they start playing NC, they start playing Duke, Florida State, whoever else, we're going to hear more about Dennis Smith. But as far as his NBA stock goes, I don't think it's really changed. He's still probably uh, at worst mid-lottery, at best top five. Yeah, I think he has just been sort of passed by guys that have done more before. Like. When I watched him, I didn't see a guy that could be a transcendent star. Like yeah. I just saw a guy that's going to probably be a top ten point guard in the league for a long time, and that's right. that seems like it shouldn't come across as a slight. It's just that there are guys that are ahead of him that could be superstars, and I just don't really see that with him. I think that this the Pelicans pick is tough. There, there's another pick that another team that's kind of in the same boat where. You're just not sure if Dell Demps is still going to be the GM there. If he is, I think taking a guy like Smith here makes a ton of sense because Smith's going to be ready to come in and be the point guard from day one. You don't have to worry about uh, trying to go close to a max on Drew Holiday. You let him walk. You bring in Smith. He's he's pretty much ready to go. If it's a new GM and they have some some job stability – and they like a guy like Jonathan Isaac as maybe a potential second star to go with Anthony Davis, or maybe a guy like Frank Niklina from from France, uh, who who might have more upside than Dennis Smith. Maybe that new GM feels comfortable taking a guy that might take a year or two to develop. But if it's still Dell Demps, I think it's Dennis Smith here. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think Smith is, despite being a freshman, is pretty NBA ready. I I see his ceiling as like at best he he's like a Damian Lillard guy, like. Not a guy you would ever could really make a great argument that he's like a top five or even a top ten player in the NBA, but still yeah. really good. Like maybe he's like an Eric Bledsoe type, like or like a Mike Conley. Sure, like, yeah, and it's like, like something like that. And if you redraft the you know where those guys were taken, those guys are easily top yeah. five, top seven Mike, picks. Mike there. Conley's like a top three player from his class. Right, uh, Bledsoe's probably yeah, a top five like, player from his class. Like it's not, it's right. not a slight. It's as much just, as we love this class, we're not saying there are fifteen guys who are going to be no. all you know. If you guys. ever get a guy like Mike Conley, like a, a top ten player in his position, a guy that you can max out in in today's era, really you get a guy out. like that outside of the top three in a draft, right. like that's a home run. Like oh, and that, that's just the way it, that's the way this class yep. is. Uh, so at six, you have Jonathan Isaac. He's a guy, admittedly, I have not watched much of. Probably the least out of all of these um, of these lottery guys that we'll talk about, but steadily rising. I think over the last couple months, up boards. He's just I, I'm. In that same boat, I haven't seen as much of him as as I'd like, but I he's the guy that I want to see the most of, like of the guys that you know I haven't seen a ton of because it's just such a crazy skill set. Six six foot eleven, like a legit six foot eleven. Uh, he gets the 
annoying Kevin Durant comps, but at least they're more fitting with him than they were with Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram was like six nine and just so he was he was just really skinny and was a really good shooter. So people threw yeah. Kevin Durant on him, but Isaac's at least six foot eleven and a really good shooter. So at least it makes a little bit more sense there. He's shooting forty three percent from three as a guy that just looks raw like he looks like a guy who's going to need a year or two in the NBA before he really kind of hits his stride but is someone who could be an elite defender could guard three positions could be a a really good rebounder shot blocker I mean there's really not much that he can't do given his physical gifts and his shooting ability yeah, I mean, where does he project as far as NBA position? Like, he's he, I think he's, he's a, not Durant as a ball handler or a playmaker. No, I think he's I think he's just a, th- a three that uh, you hope maybe is maybe grows into being a better ball handler. Um, I think he's what people thought Thon Maker was. Like I like people that that are like oh Thon Maker can just do everything he does everything well. <laughs> it's like Jonathan Isaac is like yeah. the real Thon Maker. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean that. Maybe if you were just ridiculously high on Thon Maker, yeah, he's what, he, he might be what that, that yeah. is. And but, this guy did not come out of nowhere, by the way. It's no. like I think there's always this knock on like, well, if this guy's so good, why is he, you know, why is he at Florida State or something like that? Like well, he's a you know, he's a top. Florida five State's a better player. program than Washington or NC no, State. I agree. I agree. You know? But and, like I, I still think there is just a little I mean, bit he's of he's from a, Florida. Right. He he honestly like I said, at at three with the Celtics, uh I have like I have Isaac right now up to four on my big board, like at six here, I think the Heat would be getting an absolute mm-hmm. steal, getting a guy who really could end up being the best player from this yeah. class. Like Jackson and Fultz really are going to go ahead of him. But NBA GMs, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he went third just based on the fact that he could be one of the true superstars in the league. His perception would be totally different. He had a, he had offers from just about anywhere. He could, if he was at Kentucky right now, I think we look at him a lot differently. Uh, and that's saying a lot because you know a lot of people think he's a top five or six guy. Uh, so you're going to have to give me the pronunciation on this next guy. I think it's Frank Nicklina. We'll go with that. Sounds, that sounds nice. I I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to correct me on that. See Um, if I can get an actual pronunciation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's already playing in the, the Champions League over in, in Europe, uh, it's really tough to watch those highlights because the quality of play is just like the, his teammates are just so bad. Um, and it's really hard to kind of get a good feel for, for how good he is. Uh, he's shooting a lot of threes kind of Dennis Smith, like in that, in that sense that he's, he's obviously trying to prove to NBA scouts that he can shoot the three. Cause that's like the main knock on him is that, you know, it's going to take a while for his, for his jump shot to, to catch up to the rest of his game. But, uh, the bet he's got my favorite of of Fultz, Ball, Smith, uh, De'Aaron Fox. Nikolina's got the the best body, the best combination of body and athleticism to me in this class among the point guards. Um, just really, just the prototypical frame that you'd want uh, a better athlete than Ball. Just just a monster athlete, really, and maybe not quite as good a passer as Ball, but a better passer than than Smith, Fultz and maybe Fox. So, you know, just the sum of the parts to me, I think he, he's behind Fultz, but he's right there with Ball for me uh, uh-huh. as the, the second or third best point guard prospect in this class. And for here, for here the Suns, I have him taking best player available because like the Timberwolves, I think they have to make a move 
especially if the best player available to them is a point guard at this point. Now, they might make a move before the draft, like Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight might not even be on the team when the draft rolls around. But they can't take a point guard here in this this type of draft and have him be behind two guys. And, and you know, I mean, like Ulyss is a perfect guy to just kind of have him play behind for one year or, or if you maybe only move one of Knight or Bledsoe and he plays behind that guy. But I think they'd have to move – Bledsoe or Knight if they take a point guard here and they they're pretty deep everywhere else too so if they wanted to take a guy like Malik Monk like then he's coming off the bench if they'd want to take a guy like Harry Giles they they maybe have to make a move I mean there's just that's the type of roster where where something's kind of got to give between now and them to kind of make the pieces fit yeah and, and I think something will there's just there's too much talent here for I think for the Suns to not kind of shuffle things to make sure they get in on it Harry Giles uh, at eight Denver. This, I mean, we really don't know anything uh, about Harry Giles as far as where he's going to end up being stock-wise come draft time. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that I think if he came into the season healthy, and I, I, I think even you know he's had two two ACL surgeries, right? One on each knee, I believe. Even with that, if he came into the season healthy and was playing well for Duke right now, he's probably atop most people's board. Um, but the fact that he hasn't played has obviously kind of knocked him down, and the fact that other guys have played so well. Does he need to play the season to stay in the lottery? I don't think he does. No. Well, really the most important thing, not like forget like whether he plays this season or not, the most important thing is going to be how he tests with team's doctors before the draft because even if he plays and doesn't check out, the team's not going to draft him. If he doesn't play and does check out, a team's going to love him. So it it just kind of comes down to that examination. But to me, like the ideal scenario for his draft stock is that he maybe comes back and plays 15 minutes a game or something like that. Maybe sits on, you know, if it's if it's two games in four days, maybe sits one of those I out. I think they'll do that regardless. Like, yeah, I think the, the dream scenario for his draft stock is that he's managed extremely cautiously, and when he's out there, he has that same bounce that he had before the surgery. Yeah, I think so too. I think Coach K understands, you know, like this Duke team doesn't need Harry Giles to be really, really good. Um, I mean, they're getting Tatum and, and – uh, Marcus Bolden back isn't is going to be enough for them to be just fine in the ACC and like Giles is just kind of icing on the cake as far as whatever they get from him. Um, you have here Chris Weber comps. I think that's fair. Uh, I don't does he is he as good of a passer as Chris Weber? Do we really know yet? I don't think we know. I don't think there's any way to really know that no. until you're playing next to guys that are your caliber. Yeah, right. Like you're not. Everybody gonna... looks like a great passer in mixtapes. Well, I mean, like what. What was the point of? I mean, how many times was passing the right move for him in high school? Right. Like almost it, never. So, uh, but I mean, I think it's more of a body type comp, uh, athleticism, um, kind of versatility comp. You know, C Web could go coast to coast and uh, was really an explosive rebounder at the four. I think that that's that's kind of where the comp comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so looking at nine and ten, De'Aaron Fox, you have to the Sixers. Malik Monk to the Kings, and that is just such a Kings pick. I, I would, like, block that in if the Kings yeah. are at 10 and Monk is there. Uh, they've been looking for a shooting guard forever, it seems like. Uh, the note here is that the Kings, the Sixers hold the right to swap picks with the Kings. So if the Kings go in the tank, if they trade Cousins, if they don't trade Cousins, whatever have you, and they just suck the rest of the way and, like, get the number one pick, 
Sixers have the right to swap, so they can so jump up. The Sixers get two cracks at the right. number one pick, and they also get the Lakers pick, assuming it's not in the top four, top three, or top four. I think it's top three. Top three. So and that's still stemming from the, like, the uh, MCW trade and all that with the Bucks, because the Phoenix had the pick at one point, right? Okay. I don't even remember what what was like the genesis of. That? Sure, it wasn't the was it the Bynum trade? <laughs> I don't know. Either way, well, it's like been many. Okay. This pick's been like anticipated yeah, they, for they years. They get so yeah. They they. It's the pick the Lakers have tried to avoid and successfully right. avoided giving up the last two drafts. Right, but now the Lakers are just a little too good. They're, they're not gonna, a bottom three. They're yeah. probably going to give it up here, so that that's why the Sixers would be picking nine. And like you said, the Kings currently when I when I wrote this in line to pick tenth, and like you said, if they yep. If they draw that eleventh pick, then they lose the then pick. They lose it goes, to Chicago. Goes to Chicago, which would be really catastrophic for that franchise and to, huge for the Bulls. To yeah, to have to not get a pick in this lottery of all after, drafts to not after have a pick do, after doing their best to earn it. Like yeah, the, you would have wanted to kind of have that pick vested see, uh, a prior year. See, uh, that's that why I think. Like the if there's I think not, I don't I don't think the Kings want to trade Demarcus Cousins like they've made that pretty clear but like this is just like reason number like seven where mm-hmm. you, why you kind of have to think about it because Demarcus Cousins wins you games and mm-hmm. not having a pick in this draft like you said would be would be pretty catastrophic right. and they're flirting with it right now well and if you trade him and get back picks then you could have a couple picks exactly. in this draft That's what I'm, like this is the and, draft you want those multiple picks right and so say you trade him for picks not only are you getting more picks in this draft and locking in your pick in this draft but you're moving higher up into this draft right. so i mean exactly. there's just so many reasons with just this draft yeah. in mind that trading him's a good and idea. the whole swap with philly thing like yeah it sucks for the kings like that basically means they can't get the number one right. pick but like I don't think it's not like you're gonna. The, the odds of that actually coming into right. play are, are very slim, right? Exactly, now. right. Like the Sixers are going to finish with a worse record, more than likely. Uh, and even if you flop from like four to five, it'd be something like that. It wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be that drastic. But anyway, Fox and Monk. Um, what? Why Fox over Monk? Do you think it's just going to be a team preference thing? Uh, well, I'm. I mostly just wanted Monk to go to the Kings, so that's why. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm not gonna fight you. So I, I kind of put Monk in at ten, and then we, I, sh- I didn't even I, need to mention like, it. Like it should. Just like he going. was going to the Kings. Like wherever the Kings were, <laughs> he, in this mock, the like, Kings. he was going there. So, uh, like Monk to me, like if we're talking about guys that could bust from this draft, these actually are are two names that I would. Like I don't, I don't think they're gonna bust. Like I want to be very clear about that. I think Monk is one of the two or three best athletes in this class. That's uh, it. has you know NBA range already. Fox to me is just a really good playmaker. Can get to the to the rim. Can create space. Um, but like if you're saying we know someone in this top thirteen is gonna bust, like those would be probably two right. of my top three or four. Mm-hmm picks there so i mean that that's why monk goes and then i i wanted to give the sixers a guard fox to me uh is the type of point guard that would fit nicely with uh simmons and Embiid, where he's not gonna need to dominate the ball you know he's not the type of guy that needs to get his Mm -hmm. he's in that sort of brandon knight john wall class of kentucky point guard where he's totally fine just running the show and and setting up his teammates and the other thing that we should mention with this draft when we say bust at least i think Bust in this draft is relative. Like you look at Bust, last year's draft, yeah. there aren't the there aren't these like European mystery guys. Like mm-hmm. there isn't a Dragon Bender. 
there isn't even someone as raw as Marquise Chris or as raw as Thon Maker. Like all three of those guys went in the top ten. Like mm-hmm. there's nobody with that extreme like, bust, bust potential. Bust in this draft is really kind of that. Like you could uh, be Kerry Kittles. Like Kerry like Kittles, yeah. exactly. And that's like, not he wasn't a bust at all. No, but like multiple like half dozen teams that picked after right. the Kerry Kittles pick got better players. Exactly. You know, like that's that, that's what we mean by talking. yeah, exactly. So you, yeah. you're passing. You're taking a guy who's only like an eight-year player in the league instead of a guy that yeah. makes a couple all-star teams. I feel like if the Kings keep this pick that, you know, like in the NFL, like a, like 24 hours before the draft, like the team that drafts number one will like the pickle leak and there's, mm-hmm. you know, that player will be shown holding up a jersey. And so like, <laughs> like the Kings are going to leak that they've like already reached a deal with Malik Monk <laughs> yeah. at like number yeah. eight. And the yeah. teams would be like, well, wait, you can't do that. All the, like, no, well, no. Actually, I think all the other teams are just like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, Malik like, Monk's like, like already on a plane yeah. to Sacramento. Yeah. Like all the, the other seven teams have all okayed it. Like, yeah, like the rest of the whatever, league's yeah. okayed it. Like, all right, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Like we'll take them off our board. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so at 11, Ivan Rab from Cal, uh, a player who – I would imagine might regret not coming out last year. I'm sure he had other reasons. Like, he knew what was happening as far as the draft. Uh, but at the same time, yeah. would have gone higher, I think, last year. I don't, I, think you, I don't think you go back to school to improve like, your stock if you are already going to be a lottery pick. I thought pick. he had, like, think, academic reasons. Or like, I he think, wanted to get more towards his degree or right, something like, like that. Right, like, I think that's what I'm saying. I, I think his reasons for returning to school had zero to do with where he was going in the draft. Maybe they might have had a little bit to do of him not thinking he was ready. Right. Yeah. And in, in that case, like, it doesn't – it's fine. He's going to go in pretty much similar spot as he, he mm-hmm. probably would have gone last year. Uh, well, actually, where do you think he would have gone last year? I mean, like, in retrospect, it's easy to say higher. But, like, I think had he come out, he probably goes – I mean, he if he's on the board at eight, does Phoenix take him over Chris? I think so. Probably. I think he goes seven or eight, somewhere in there. So, somewhere in the seven to ten range, we'll say. Yeah. Does Milwaukee take him over Thon? Yeah. You would so. think. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, just kind of a, a fit pick there. You know, they, they don't really have a, a long-term power forward. I mean, Otto Porter – Bradley Beal, John Wall are kind of the pieces right now. I, you know, I think John Wall, we meet you and I would both like to see moved for his own sake, just for everyone involved. Like I, I want John Wall to be happy, and I want John Wall to be in a good situation. And I think that he's the, already like an angry guy, and like they're the, just putting him in a bad. The Wizards spot. are a team that really needs to embrace a rebuild. Like they really need to just love love a rebuild right now. Like. Them trying to tread water and, and make the postseason is is very stupid. If they they're they're just like the the Kings with Cousins, like trade John Wall. You could you could move a lot higher in this draft. Uh, Twelve is my guy. OG, OG Ananobi, OG Ananobi to the Magic, and I have him. I have him up to seven on my big board now. So obviously, I think this would be. Quite a steal for the Magic. Uh, but like you mentioned to me off air, with Serge Ibaka expiring, hard to imagine him coming back to the Magic. Aaron Gordon needs to play the four. Maybe they even move Serge Ibaka the, during the season since he's expiring and they aren't going anywhere. But then that would, op- you know, assuming Aaron Gordon moves to the four, that opens up things for him at the three and you maybe wonder if you're not getting quite enough offense with Ananobi and Gordon paired up at the three and the four, but to me that he's just by far the best player available at this point, that it's it's a fit and you just try to get scoring from yeah. your other positions. 
Yeah, um, I just said that you know guys that we mentioned in the top ten or eleven have a pretty high floor as far as like quote unquote bust potential. Like Ananobi probably has the lowest floor of any of these guys we've mentioned. The lowest floor. Lowest floor. See, I think he's the best defender in this draft. So yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's true. I like, mean, that does keep him. I mean, he'll always find a roster spot. Yeah, he definitely has the lowest. Ah, man. I haven't seen I that much. Of like, I, he was he was like a like an accessory piece for Indiana mm-hmm. last year, and he's hurt right now. I like. I think. I honestly think Rab, Monk, Fox, Giles, Nikolina, okay. all have more bus potential than Ananobi. All right, fair enough. Thirteen. I'm surprised you said that. Twelve is your guy, considering what we have here at thirteen. Lowry Markinen. Yeah, where does he go to school? Just shrugging your shoulders. He's a he's a cat. Uh, Slim are you? you? Look, he's playing his way up draft boards right now. He's seven feet tall, shooting fifty two percent from the field, forty eight percent from three, on four and a half attempts a game, and eighty nine percent from the line. Like that's just if you're nineteen years old and you're seven feet tall and you're doing that, you're going to get drafted yeah. in the lottery. That's just the way it goes. He, you hear the dirt comparisons with Porzingis all the time. I don't think those are accurate just because Porzingis mm-hmm. is so much more athletic and so, just such a different player than Dirk. Like, Markinen at least has some similar qualities. I think they move similarly. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's a little stiff. He's never going to be somebody who's a dominant like rim protector even at seven feet. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever be more than like an average defender. But offensively, as you mentioned with those numbers, like he has the potential to be a big, big-time offensive player and a guy that you just, like, can never leave open. You could see a team falling in love with him. Like, it, some team in the top ten. You could see a, a certain podcast host falling in love with him. I'm not going to fall in love with him. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to be – he's not my type of cat. All right? Like, okay. Uh, I, like my, I like my cats to be wing players. I like them to handle the ball a little bit. Shout out Mustafa Shakur. <laughs> I think that's a Shout out Hassan Adams. Uh <laughs> But, like, if, if you're picking, say, like, seven or eight, and your scouts are telling you that this guy might be that, t- like, a Dirk type of scorer at the four, and you should overlook any kind of defensive limitations, any kind of uh, speed, quickness limitations you think he has, like, if your scouts are telling you that, and say you're set at point guard, and, like, the other guys kind of in that range are point guards. Yeah, I could see him going as high as, as seven or eight, like even even in this draft. And and he's he's probably not going to bust just because, like, his floor is just a really, really solid stretch floor. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Okay, so let's close it out. 14, Miles Bridges. I'm already regretting he, this one. He's going to be up and down all year, but some team could fall in love with how just crazy athletic he is at, you know, 6'6". Six, six. He's built, too. He's not, just, he's not just a stringy athlete like Malik Monk. Uh, I guess I'll ask you. Like, I know you're like you just said. You know you don't love this pick, but who else was in contention to to squeak in? You know, in this well we piece? could we could talk about we could talk about your boy T.J. Leaf. T.J. Leaf, who I think is is he? Can he be one of your boys now? Yeah. See, the thing is about you know, when we did, you know, the hashtag my guys. The the point is that they can't all be like stars and like and like ball. I already I can use my what stars. What if you just on ball. what if you like use 
what if you have them as your guys, and then after that, they all become stars, and you just got yeah, to just, them. Yeah, just as a coincidence. Like, they, yeah, like, once they kind of like, hear, like, wow, I made yeah. mix my guys list. Well, yeah. Maybe I'm better than I thought. <laughs> I think that might be what happened with TJ Leaf. Is he heard he heard the chatter on the pod, and he's playing well. 25, 10, and 9 yeah. for TJ Leaf. Like, last night, I watched the, the highlight of the UCLA. I think they played, like, UC Santa Barbara. Like, every city in California has a UC location. I think it was Santa Barbara. UCLA romped. They were up huge. All they talked about was ball. They they hit a little bit on Isaac Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Didn't even mention that TJ Leaf was like one assist shy of a triple double. Like he he's <laughs> relatively unimpressive when you watch him play, just because he's white and like kind of slow. But like he's a well, you yeah you so you would have to be watching if you watch like an entire UCLA game and you're paying really close attention. Yeah, then he stands out because he's doing so much right. and and like rebounding, passing, like shooting. But if you just are like watch like a handful of possessions, he's just gonna look like he's like a fourth year guy yeah. that has like played his way into the rotation. Right? Yeah, you know? it's like, well, like yeah, the, physically, like he, he redshirted for medical right. reasons like, for a couple of years. Markinen like stands out. Like he's white too, but he's seven feet, like a legit seven feet right. tall, long. Leaf. Like he stands out. Leaf doesn't stand they list out. List him like at six ten. Like he doesn't look six ten when he's out there. I'm not. I'm not right. questioning the UCLA measurement staff. Like he's kind of. He's got like, uh, I mean, how tall is Kevin Love? He's listed at six ten. Yeah, so, but he, he's kind of in he that. Doesn't, he's not as like physically imposing no, as Love no. was even back then. Maybe he's like a skinny, like a really skinny, skinny Kevin Love. Yeah, he like, has the body of like a three. <laughs> I don't like to me. If you were like, is he closer to like looking like Sam Decker or Kevin Love? Like I would say Decker, even though like the measurements say it's Kevin Love. I mean, he kind of looks like a more athletic Ethan Happ. Sort sure, of. but yeah. that's actually very accurate and yeah. much more skilled and right. diverse. Uh, he threw down a huge wait. Like, Ethan Happ doesn't have a diverse offensive game. Let's put it this way: so against <laughs> UWGB last night, Ethan Happ caught the ball like maybe eleven feet away and squared up for a jump shot, and like there was an audible, a palpable buzz from the crowd. And, like the crowd, like he rimmed out on this jumper, it looked terrible. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. never shoots outside the paint, and like the crowd was like, "Oh!" After uh-huh. he missed it, like it was like a like a moment that well, Ethan Happ shot it outside the paint, and yeah, TJ Leaf does that uh, routinely and very very well. <laughs> Uh, he's one of those guys that I think like you'll just kind of look for reasons like this guy can't be that good. He can't uh-huh. be a lottery guy. But then you look at the numbers like he took it to Bam out of bio a couple weeks ago with, at Kentucky. Like it's he's he's played so well that he's hard to ignore. Yeah. So I, I I'm really not a Miles Bridges. I'm just kind of starting to really kind of um, create some distance between myself and this this pick already. Even <laughs> though it's it's not been up on the site 48 hours, but I just don't think. Look, some look, he, he, uh, <laughs> I just don't know if I buy, like, to me, he has to be an above average three point shooter in the NBA. Otherwise, I think he is a bust because yeah. if he's not like shooting 40% from three, I just don't see enough else there. And he's just so tweenery to me and yep. not, not really in a good way no. that he's really got to be knocking down threes. And even then, like, what is he? He's just kind of like that, that wing that, that shoots well from beyond the arc, you know, he's one of those guys that I just don't see him playing well when he's not the number one option. Yeah. And he just loves shooting threes so much. Like when you're that athletic and you're in the big 10, you need to be getting to the rack like all the time and working on your mid range. Like he's just so happy to just shoot threes. Mm -hmm. Don't love it. Uh, Guessing in mock, 2.0 Bridges probably doesn't make the cut. 
All right, just a little pro tip uh, <laughs> as Mach 2.0. People are already clamoring for it. Um, quick word from Blitzpick. Do you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but struggle to find the time to research players and track news, especially on mobile devices? Yeah. You're nodding your head yes. Yeah, yeah totally. Download Blitzpick, your DFS command center. Blitzpick is a state-of-the-art mobile companion for FanDuel and DraftKings users featuring a lineup optimizer, player news, injury alerts, historical stats, and much more. Blitzpick's proven lineup optimizer incorporates advanced analytics and game theory to keep you a step ahead of the competition. Blitzpick's news comes directly from Rotowire, ensuring you never miss a story, get injury alerts pushed directly to your phone. As soon as the news breaks, Blitzpick even recommends the best replacements. Check out our value play section for the right players to build your lineups around. Pick a few, then let Blitzpick Optimizer do the rest, or you can fill in your lineup manually, relying on our accurate projections. Blitzpick is available both in the iPhone and Google Play stores. All right, anything else you want to hit on? I'm good. I think I'm good, too. This was a good discussion. I We didn't even mention a certain forward from Duke's name. Is he a guard? Guard forward? Luke Kennard, man. Oh, man, I, I love him so much. I'm, I might find a way to get him in, in this next right. this next mock lottery. Yeah, you can do, like, the top 14 and then list, like, just your 18th pick. Like, and that'll be, kept, that'll be like, Kennard. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I have Kennard going 19. <laughs> yeah, there should be a separate little <laughs> the Kennard dog update. <laughs> He's up to 19 now. Yeah. All right, um, Three Amigos will be back on the podcast on Friday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.